passage, Acts chapter number 16. Let me, uh, let me find our place in verse number 12. Verse number 12. I'm going to read uh, maybe here uh, down to verse number, oh, maybe 34. All right? So we, you can keep your seat this morning. I'm going to have some lengthy reading. You pray for us. God would help us this morning. Give us what we stand in need of. Uh, if the Lord doesn't change my direction, this will be a springboard to the direction that we're going to go probably for the next several Sunday mornings, okay? We're in James chapter number five and have been for some time on Sunday nights, but the Lord has just kind of led me in this direction with this thought. I asked the Lord for leadership and direction, and he's, he's give us that. So this is the way that we're going to go this morning. Acts chapter number 16, verse number 12, the Bible says... And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. All right, and on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. Now, let me call your attention to who it was they was speaking to. They were speaking to that uh, of a group of women, all right? And uh, the Bible says here, drop down, if you will, to verse 16. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her master much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and Silas and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. I'm going to pause here again while I am considering these verses of Scripture. And I want to call your attention to something. This woman that was had a spirit of divination, that of witchcraft, you understand, had come alongside of Paul and Silas and really what she was saying uh, about Paul and Silas wasn't altogether wrong. But understanding that her life that she lived and the example that she was in a world in which she lived, coming alongside of Paul and Silas and linking up to what Paul and Silas was doing actually done more damage to the message that Paul and Silas had to bring. And it grieved Paul's heart. Notice what it is that she's saying. The same followed Paul and Silas and cried saying, these men are the servants of the most high God. Her life and her message did not coincide. They did not work together. And so her life that she lived mixed with the message that she brought actually diluted the message that Paul and Silas had to bring. It grieved Paul. The Bible said these men are the servants of the Most High God which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. So repeatedly did this continue. She did not stop. Now we're going to find that Paul we know is greed. Okay, and I've done blowed my outline, but it'll be all right. Here's the deal. Paul is grieved in his heart. 
It's bothering him. He's trying to do the work that the Lord has called him to do, but he's got an individual that's causing him some problems and some troubles. Have you ever tried to do anything for the Lord and it seemed like that each passing day you have this nagging problem that you can't get rid of? It was funny, one preacher said this preaching thing would be all right if it wasn't for people. But people, friend, is who we're preaching to and what we're trying to do is help people, right? I mean, Jesus Christ died for people. He came into this world to seek those that were lost, right? And so uh, to, uh, to, say, to seek and to save those which were lost. And as we see here, the Bible said, and this did she many days, but Paul being grieved turned and said to the spirits. So we understand here that this woman who had a spirit of divination, her message wasn't altogether wrong, but her life was causing the message that she brought to, to be deluded and it grieved Paul's heart. But notice the first day that she did this, Paul did not react. The second day that this woman done this, Paul didn't react. Paul was slow to react to this woman. Now I want you to pay attention to this. Sometimes in the ministry, you and I, if we're not careful, we have a knee-jerk reaction to something that is going on. Paul had enough foresight and enough thought to, to consider what was going on. Now we see Paul does react. And Paul does react in the right way. But Paul's reaction did not happen instantaneously. Most of the time when we act instantaneously, we do it out of the flesh. We do it of our own accord. And Paul had enough sense to know that he needed to stop and consider and evaluate the situation before he moved forward. So we see that when Paul made this decision to cast this devil out of this woman, that he done so calculated. You need to understand that. What he done, he done with complete calculation. And I thank the Lord for that, okay? So here's what I want us to see here. These men were men of conscience. What do you mean conscious? Well, they were aware of their surroundings. Now, who was the message that they, what was the message or who was the message to here at Philippi? Verse 12 says, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. How many days was it that this woman with this spirit of divination was bothering Paul and Silas? Many days. Many days. The Bible says that on the Sabbath we went out of this city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. It doesn't say anything about children. Doesn't say anything about men. Uh, it, it, it specifically doesn't even generalize that of people, right? Now, a lot of times the Bible will use men in a general sense to that of mankind, right? But we get gender specific right here. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, and we like to consider ourselves as men of our homes and, and our wives as weaker vessels, and uh, we like to consider ourselves the head of the house and all these things, but I find a lot of times my wife, in certain instances, has a little more sense than I do. And in this particular situation, uh, and that's why God gave her to me for a help meet, amen. I thank God for that. But here's what I want you to see. Sometimes you know, the, the, these women were probably more receptive in this era and what was going on to the message that they had to bring than the men that were running around in Philippi or in Macedonia, right? 
And so here's what I want you to see. They had a message to bring. They had a crowd to listen. And I believe in my heart that the Lord was working the message that Paul and Silas brought to be effectual. And along this uh, time frame, when they have a message to bring, the gospel to give out, preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified to a people that needed a gospel message, along comes the devil to, to try to beat down what Paul and Silas is doing, not with a message that was wrong, but with an example in a life that was wrong. And so I want you to understand something. The message that we bring is important, but coupling it with a life of service to God that, that doesn't have sin abounding everywhere. When we're not living in open rebellion against God, we can be effectual. But a life that this woman that had this spirit of divination has. Oh, how, much, how many other things has she said? See, our message ain't wrong, but there's a lot of extra things added in there. There's a lot of people adding a lot of extra things to the gospel. A lot of people that's taken away some things of the gospel. We take away from the gospel when we live a life of sin. You need to understand that open before men and open rebellion against God. So anyway, my point is here, I believe in my heart the reason that Paul and Silas did not rebuke this woman the very first day is they were trying to be careful about how they, uh, they, they give the gospel. They were trying to be careful how they were perceived if you will. Now we preached a message not too long ago about perception and reception. And we talked about Nathan the prophet and how he come to David and he told David that thou art the man, right? But he got his message across to David long before David had the opportunity to shut him down. He got David siding against David before he ever gave him the punchline, right? And I believe that Paul and Silas, understanding that Paul was a man himself who persecuted Christians, understood what he was going to go up against if things got messed up here at Philippi. And so he's preaching to these women. These women are, are listening to this gospel message. And then here comes this woman with a spirit of divination to, to be a thorn to Paul in his ministry. So Paul doesn't do anything about it immediately. Paul deals with it and deals with it and deals with it. And the reason that he put up with it was because he understood what was going to happen the moment that he drove the spirit out of this woman. You're going to find that this this matter uh, they were a men of they were men of conscience but they were men of caution they were watchful and cautious and they knew there would be an outcome to this situation now, i didn't want to say this to you i believe that in our work in the ministry we we pick the battles which we fight sometimes we decide what hill we're going to fight on. It, it'd be no good for me today uh, to die in the ministry if I could have been effective tomorrow, right? And so we try to be careful here on how we do things because if, if, if I do something in haste and I make a knee-jerk reaction and we have a bad outcome, I may have caused myself or cost myself the opportunity to have been effectual tomorrow, you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and listen, so we try to calculate and pay attention. And I believe Paul here, he was a man of conscience. He was aware of his surroundings. Uh, he, he, he was a, a man of caution. He was watching what was going on. But he was also a man of conscience. I want you to understand that, a man of conviction. And as time went on, you understand, this problem persisted. And it grieved Paul because Paul knew that this was wrong. Paul was trying his best not to have a knee-jerk reaction, but through 
considering and calculating and thinking about it, he knew at the end of the day, Brother Shane, he was not going to be able to allow this to go on. Because in his, in his calculation and in his caution, you understand he knew there would be consequences. Now I do want you to notice something this morning, understanding these verses of scripture. Uh, there is a consequence to the gospel. Now I do want you to know that one of the consequences to giving the gospel out is people get saved by the marvelous grace of God. Isn't that wonderful? But we do see in the scripture that preaching the word of God comes with consequences because sometimes it causes people to get frustrated. It causes people to get angry. We don't change the message, right? But the message causes people to get frustrated. Not everybody wants to hear a gospel message. Not everybody's interested in hearing what thus saith the Lord God. I mean I, I, I imagine you know people have heroes in the faith and they want to talk to Paul and uh, they'd like to be able to sit down one day with John. I'd like to talk to Jeremiah for just a little while. I'd like to find out what Jeremiah actually had to say about what he went through in his ministry. I mean, it must have been troublesome and tiresome and, and weary to try to preach and be concerned and care and to find out that people were not interested in hearing what it is that you had to say. And so here's what, I, here's what I'm trying to get at here. They were, they were men of caution. They were men of conscience. But I, and they were, they were men of consequences. They were going to be punished for this very act that was fixing to take place. We find here in verse 18, this did so many days, but Paul being grieved turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. So he had the power. He had the power to drive out this devil from this woman, but he was trying to stay focused and this problem kept persisting and sometimes the problems of life and sometimes, listen, I want to say this. The message, this person was with him, right? This person spent days hearing a gospel message. Notice that, if you will. She, got to, she was there many days saying the same things about Paul and Simon. She was promoting them, if you will. Her promotion was hurting them, but she was having to hear the same message that Paul and Silas was bringing. I believe Paul and Silas left the message alone, or left her alone and allowed the message to do what the message was going to do. Let me say this to you, friend. I don't take any power away from a gospel message, but we know people die and go to hell. And there are people that will reject a gospel message. There's people sitting in the local independent Baptist church that hear the word of God Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and they are absolutely not interested in doing anything about the message that they hear. That's where we live today. That's where we're at in this grace dispensation. People are rich and increased with goods. They have need of nothing. Life's mediocre. Life's lukewarm. And they go on with life. They're not interested in doing anything about the, the problem. And so the, God, the message went out, but this person wasn't changing. Paul was grieved. I tell you what, it ought to grieve your heart for the message to go out to see people that need the message, that need to change, but they will not get it right. They will not take the message and make application with it and allow it to do something effectual in their life. It ought to break our hearts, friend, that that's, that that's the case. It ought to grieve us in our spirit. But we see here that Paul being grieved turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, not in his own name, but in the name of Jesus Christ. 
and he came out the same hour. And when our masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them. Now we were talking about pushing and pulling the other Sunday morning. They weren't pushing on Paul, they were dragging them. That means they come by, grabbed them up by the nap of the neck or the ears or the feet or the arms or whatever and drug out with them. And Paul in all of his carefulness and caution and all of his conscience and all of his consequences and all of the consequences that was coming, guess what happens here? He's still a man of courage. I thank the Lord for that. Listen, he's a man of, of caution. He's a, a man of, of conscience. Because he's done this thing and he was grieved and he knew what had to be done and he'd done it anyway. Sometimes there's things that have to be done. We don't like it, but we have to do it anyway. And with it comes consequences today. There'll be some times in the ministry and in this walk of life you're going to have to stand for something and it'll feel like at the end of the day you're the only one left standing. But we do it anyway. Why? Because we don't do it for people. We do it for God and the calling that is on our lives. And so understanding here that they were, they were men of consequences, but they were men of courage. They've been drew. They've been drug out. The Bible says here in verse 19, when their masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers. Why were they being drug out? Why was this happening to them? Because essentially the message that they brought cost somebody some finances. Listen, the message that we bring will cause people to have to get rid of some things that's in their life. There's some things in people's life that the message we bring will take away from them. Now I thank God that everything that I ever missed out on or was taken away from me because of the Bible that I believed in or the message that was preached to me or even the message that I bring, I find I didn't need it anyway. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. But understanding this lost and dying world that's not interested in hearing about the gospel message, they don't want to give up. They don't want to lose the things that they have for the cause of Christ. And so that caused consequences for Paul and Silas and Paul and Silas now are being drug out. It says, drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. The message that they brought was bringing the trouble. Now I want you to notice that. I kind of dealt with that a little bit this morning at the beginning uh, before Sunday school hour. The message that we bring will bring trouble to lives. Do you remember the time that the Holy Ghost of God troubled your heart? Do you remember the time when the Spirit of God troubled you for the things that were in your life? These men were being troubled because of the message that Paul and Silas brought. Notice, understand with me if you will, they were being careful not to disrupt life. They were doing everything they could to keep from disrupting life and to keep from having to deal with consequences and to keep from having to go through this. But because they were men, friend of conviction, they had no choice but to drive the spirit of divination out of this individual. Listen, I believe in my heart Paul really knew what was coming and in his flesh probably didn't want to have to endure it, but because he was a man of conviction, he did it anyway. There's going to be times that you and I are going to have to stand for what's right. It's going to cause people to turn their back on us. It's going to make the world mad. It's going to make the church member mad. It might even make the deacons mad at some point in their life. And I don't have a problem with my deacons. I'm just using that for an example. What I'm saying is it really don't matter who it makes mad as long as you're following the leadership of God and you're cautious and conscientious and you're concerned. They did not have a heart to upset people. 
Their heart wasn't to make people mad. Listen, to, and I, I'm going to hit it again while I'm at it. This independent Baptist uh, world that we live in, sometimes it's almost, it's almost uh, a colorful thing for people to see uh, how cocky or arrogant or smart-alecky they can be to offend somebody. That's not the heart in which we bring the gospel. You don't hit the pulpit to see if you can offend somebody before you get them the message. If you offend somebody with your smart aleck attitude before you get them the message, the message will be null and void. They won't hear the message. They're too caught up about your face and your arrogant attitude. But the idea, friend, is to love them and give them the gospel message. And if they get mad, they have to go home being mad at the word of God, being mad at Jesus Christ, being mad at the Holy Ghost of God, which brought conviction upon their life. Not you, not me, but the Holy Ghost of God. It'd be good this morning if none of us were seen. It'd be good if none of us were noticed. It'd be good if the Word of God was so effectual in your life that you had to sit back there with your eyes closed, with tears running down your cheeks, uh, unable to see me, but just doing business with the Holy Spirit of God. That's what we want, right? And so Paul did not have a heart to upset. Oh, but he knew the message that he brought was very capable of doing just that. The message that we bring, friend, will offend you do not have to capitalize on hurting people or making them angry or making them mad. Matter of fact, you shouldn't even consider it. You don't have to be cocky or arrogant or see how much fluff you can boil up before you get ready to preach. All right, and so God didn't call me to stand up here and carry on for 30 minutes before I opened the Bible and started preaching. Lord called me to preach. When I start running my mouth and I'm not in this book, I guarantee you I can offend and make somebody mad. I can stick my foot in my mouth every single time, and so can you. So we, we, we stay around the Word of God, right? And so, I don't know how I got there, but that was okay, all right? So they were, they were men of consequences, and they were men of courage. Do you know why they were men of courage? Because they were men of conviction and men of character. And I thank God for that. Character is the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. Do you know what we need today in the, in the Baptist church? We need some men and women of character. We need some men and women that will do what's right because it's right, not because of the consequences that come from it. See, it's good to do right when everybody likes it. It's good to go somewhere and preach a revival meeting when you know you're going to get a decent little paycheck and all's going to be well and uh, they're going to like it and these camp meetings, you know, everybody's in, in line with you and all the preachers love you and, and you're all with your buddies and you get a good check, you get to go home. That's great. Anybody rear back and preach then. But it's down here on the street corner when you're preaching to about 10 thugs who don't want to hear what you've got to say, who's fixing to beat your eyeballs out, friend, that you have to ask yourself the question, uh, am I going to be a man of conviction when I'm facing these consequences? See, there's good consequences and there's bad consequences. And anybody, friend, any rooster can crow in his own barn. Can he not? But when you get outside the barn, what are you going to do then, friend? Okay? So they were men of character. And I want to say this. The Bible says here, and brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive. So their heart wasn't to cause trouble. They didn't want trouble. They didn't want the consequences of trouble. But they had conviction, and conviction caused them to preach. Listen, I want you to ask yourself this question. Anytime someone gets aggravated or mad at you, don't determine whether you did right or wrong by whether or not they're mad. You determine whether you did right or wrong by the motivation of why you did what you did. If your motivation was because you love 
And because you want them to be right with God and because you care about them and you had love in your heart, even though the message was a little bold, understand this, friend, leave it in God's hands and walk away from it. These men, these men here, the Bible says, uh, teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them. There'll be times, friend, when you'll offend one or two. And one or two will turn on you. And before you know it, the whole crowd's against you. Your families, your church. Listen, as far as I know, I'm not in any danger right now of being run off from this church. But I'll say this, there's been men that's been run off from churches before for the message that they bring. Who was bringing the message God sent them. Now there's also been some that's been run off that needed to be run off. And I'm not getting against that. What I'm saying is, friend, as long as it's around God's word, we need to just love them and, and, and take the word of God for what it is. So the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. Can I say this? Beating them didn't change the message. Beating them didn't change the message that they brought. And so here's what I want you to see. The multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. So Paul understood through careful calculation that there would be consequences, and indeed there was. But the consequences did not keep him from doing what it was that he was supposed to do and being a man of courage. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them Safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now here, here's what I want you to see. These men were men of, of courage. They were men of character. Because of it, it caused them to be men of consequences. However, we see they were men of concern. Had they not been of men of concern, they wouldn't have gotten this far into where they were at. Okay, they were men of calculation. How do, say, how do you know that? Well, we're going to see here that these men were concerned not only about these women that they were preaching to, not only about this woman that had the spirit of divination, but we're fixing to find a familiar portion of this scripture where they were concerned about a jailer. And I, I, want, to, I want to explain this to you. It says, when they had laid many stripes upon them, so the multitude wore them out. They beat them for the message that they brought. They cast them into prison charging the jailer to keep them safely. So in other words, the jailer was warned absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt, you make sure that these men stay safe. I don't believe in my heart, Brother Shane, they were done with Paul and Silas. All right, and so we find here who having received such a charge, who received the charge? The jailer. Thrust them into the inner prison. So he, he, he didn't walk them in there and was kind to them. He chunked them if you'd allow me to use that southern word. He chunked them in the inner part of the prison. He throwed them, pushed them. He, he, and here they are, with, had been beaten, bloody, wounded, and here he is thrusting them into the prison. So he had a bad attitude. Would you agree with that? This, this jailer had a bad attitude towards God's men after they had already been beaten and abused. There was no compassion, Brother Shane. There was no compassion upon Paul and Silas who had wounds because of the message that they brought. The consequences that they suffered were, were collectively on their back while this jailer is thrusting them into prison. Now, who having received such a charge thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. Why did he bind them? Because he was responsible for them and he wasn't going to take any chances. 
Can I say as much of an uproar as Paul and Silas has made by casting this woman of divination out, the fact that this woman of divination had been, been saying all these things about Paul and Silas, you can't, you'd be hard pressed to convince me that the jailer did not understand the message that Paul and Silas brought. Oh, I believe in my heart the jailer knew what it was Paul and Silas was in jail for. It'd be hard for him not to know why they were in jail. So they at some point in, this, in some point in this situation does the jailer have to be somewhat aware of the message that Paul and Silas was bringing. In his awareness of the, the message that they brought, it had not become effectual in his life. He was just concerned about the charges that his superiors had made to him about being in control of Paul and Silas. Okay? So, the Bible says here, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Here's, and, and the Lord, just help me with this and allow me, if you will, to have a little freedom with this right now. I believe in my heart of hearts, undoubtedly, because Paul and Silas was very careful not to cause this problem for many days while this was going on. Understanding the consequences that was going to come down to pass because of, of the actions that they were about to take. You do understand that they weren't looking forward to what was fixing to happen to them. And actually were trying to prevent it, but the conviction was just so strong they couldn't let it get by them. They had to stand. They had to do. They had to stand alone. Now Paul understands we know it in other writings that he said when all men forsook me, the Lord stood with me. And so Paul here is relying on the Lord. But I believe in my heart Paul and Silas has been beaten. They're, they're bound into prison and in the inner workings of the prison. And here's what's happening. I believe Paul and Silas probably was sure hurting and sure feeling rough about the wounds they had. But I believe in my heart Paul probably sat there and said to himself, the I am still is. And I believe that he began to think about all that God was and all that the Lord Jesus Christ had done and considered him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. And he began to sit there and he told old Silas, and Silas told old Paul, you know, we really ought to pray to the Lord. We could sing praises. We could make melody in our heart. We could have songs in our heart towards the Lord Jesus Christ because of what he has done, what he's doing, what he will do. The fact that they were saved by the marvelous grace of God. All they knew to do in this time was just pray the Lord and pray but I want you to know this at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God do you know what most people's doing at midnight they're asleep most people at midnight are asleep while the average individual was laying in bed asleep and, and, and Lord help us we're going to deal with this matter of being asleep uh, over the next few Sundays what I want you to understand is in the midst of most people being asleep Paul and Silas was talking to the Lord See, they were in a very dark time in their life right here. Most people were comfortable in their beds. Paul and Silas in the night hour wasn't comfortable. They were bound and they were beaten and they were feeling the pain of what they had done. Uh, the consequences of what they had done. The Bible says that at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. I'm speaking right now, can you hear me? Certainly you can hear me. Absolutely, you can hear me. Now, there's a lot of people that might hear what I'm saying and not be trying to digest it, but you still hear my voice. You hear the, the decibels. You, you, you know that I'm speaking right now. 
And Paul and Silas, when they prayed and they sang praises unto God, not only was God enjoying what it was that Paul and Silas was doing, but there was those around them that could hear. Notice this, the Bible says, and the prisoners heard them. So it wasn't that Paul and Silas was mumbling, bound down in this problem, in this dark, wet, damp cell with blood oozing out of their backs because of the beating that they had taken, but they were doing it in a fashion and in a manner, friend, that others around them in the prison could hear what it was that was going on. But I want you to notice, said, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened, everyone's bands were loose and the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep. So here's what I want you to see. The jailer was asleep. Now we know that, but notice this. Every prisoner was awake. Every prisoner couldn't sleep because they could hear Paul and Silas praising and praying. Can I say to you that the jailer, that he was in, he was in close enough range to have heard Paul and Silas. So how do you know? Because he said, in the keeper of the prison waking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he was close enough to see the doors that were open to the sails. If he was close enough to see the doors open to the sails, he was close enough to have heard Paul and Silas. The issue is, is that he was asleep. He knew the message that they brought. He knew why they were there. He knew why they were being bound. He knew why they were being punished. He knew why they were being kept. They're praising the Lord and praying to the Lord and the jailer is asleep. Listen, we're in a place today in society, not only in a lost and dying world, but in the Baptist church where there's singing and there's praising and there's praying and there's preaching, but people are asleep. This man did not care about the message that was brought. He was close enough to hear it. He was within earshot of it, but he would not let the message that was being brought sink into his ears. And so my question this morning is simply this, and I don't know, it's a rhetorical question, but my question is what is it going to take for people to wake up in 2021 and hear and apply the message that God has to bring? So here's what I want you to see. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. I do want to say this. I'm glad we can sing praises unto God. We can praise him for who he is in spite of the fact that there's a crowd of people today that are not interested in hearing his message. Because folk don't want to hear his message, it should not cause you and I to ever get to the place, no matter what the consequences are, that we can't stop and praise God and thank God and say that indeed God is still good in this hour that we live in. We can praise him in spite of what other people do. Do not let what other people do or do not do keep you from praising the Lord. Do not let people's decisions or the lack thereof stop you, friend, from having the relationship that God wants you to have. It is easy to get caught up in the ministry to desire people to have have, have their hearts right, to desire homes to be right, and to allow that burden to weigh on you to the point that it robs you of the joy that you have in your ministry and what the Lord is wanting to do in your life. We cannot do that today, friend. So here's what I want you to see. They could pray and they could praise even while they were bound. But it says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loose. Now I didn't want you to say, I don't want you to notice this. 
He was in close enough proximity to hear, but he wasn't listening. He could have heard, but he wasn't listening. Now we're there today, right? Notice this. They were singing and they were praying. The singing, listen, all the singing in the world, people can ignore it. All the praying in the world, people can ignore it. All the preaching in the world, people can ignore it. It wasn't the, the singing uh, that, was, that was doing anything. It wasn't, it wasn't the hearing them pray that done anything. See, there's people that hear us preach and sing and pray, and it doesn't do anything. Hearing it come out of my mouth or your mouth not, not doing anything for them. They won't apply it. But I'll say this, it wasn't the hearing the prayers that done anything, but it was the power in the prayers that done some things. See, he wouldn't listen, but even when he wouldn't listen to their prayers, someone was. And I'm interested this morning in who's hearing your prayers. See, we pray and we want people to get right and we cry and we weep and people hear us pray, but they don't anything about it. But there's one that does hear us pray. And he's the one that is powerful. And see, here's the thing. When your prayers are not being effectual and you don't feel like they're working, when your praise is not being effectual, and listen, we don't pray and praise just for the other individual. We pray and praise to bring glory and honor to God. And so when God is our focus, God does the rest, right? And so here's the thing. They're praying and they're praising the Lord. And the jailer's sleeping. Listen, there's times, listen, I know I preach and I pray and I talk to people and I know you do too. And it's like it goes through one ear and out the other. You beg God for a message. You beg God for what's needed in the hour. Listen, and people won't even come to hear it. People will lay out. People don't want to hear it when they're here. And I'm not saying that you're all like that. Listen, you're here this morning and you're being attentive and I thank God for it. But there's a crowd today that's not interested. And it gets discouraging. I mean, you, you, it takes something out of a person, friend. The Bible says that much studyness is a weariness to the flesh. And to study and to pray and to beg God for a message only to find out that people would rather do something else than hear what God has to say. And even those that are here are not interested in it just goes to one or not the other. It gets discouraging. But I do want you to see something here. The prayers that was prayed to God and the praise that was given to him and understanding that we're to have songs in our heart and make a melody in our heart to God. Here's what I want you to see. This jailer was asleep, but then this is what happens. It says here, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loose and the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep. You know what woke him up? Was when the Lord shook him. The Lord had to shake the foundations of the prison. Where was this man at? He was at the door of the, of the prison. He was at the door of the cell. So it's not doing any harm to the scripture to say that where this man was at in his life at this time in the middle of the night, in this dark hour, when he was uninterested in what Paul and Silas was doing, that through the power of prayer, God shook the foundations of the jail. And where this man was at, God listened to Paul and Silas, and God come along and he shook the foundations. Listen, I wish sometimes I could grab people by the shoulder or the nap of the neck and shake them, friend, until they get right with God and understand what God wants to do with their life, but it doesn't work. But when God shakes the foundations, friend, it'll do something.
And I want you to understand something. We gotta be a praying church this morning. We gotta be a church that loves people, not try to hurt people, not, not hate on people, not abuse them with the word of God, not take the word of God and beat them over the head with it broadsided, but allow the word of God to penetrate and to cut and to realize that you can only do what you can do. But friend, leave it in God's hands and in the midnight hour when you feel bound and you feel like God can't use you, you can still praise God and pray to God and the Lord, friend, through his power will shake the foundations of those friends that are not interested. And friend, when God shakes the foundation, it will wake people up this morning, friend. And you and I can't do what we can't do. Oh, but we can lean on one that can. And I thank God for that. And so and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, waking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. So they were men of concern. but They were also men of calculation. They were aware that the Lord in this moment, Brother Shane, had given them a great opportunity. You and I in this situation, having been beat for the cause of Christ, having been bloody, having been bound, having been laid up, friend, in a jail cell, cold, wet, and damp, uh, when the doors had come open and the bands had been loose, you and I would have tucked tail and run and hit the door. I'm afraid that a lot of times God gets people to the place where the church can be used and they are so discouraged that when that time comes, they're blinded by their own discouragement and they miss the opportunity, friend, for God to do something great. Paul and Silas did not run when the running was available. Paul and Silas did not leave when anyone else would have left. You and I cannot quit short, friend. You and I cannot stop in these last days, in these last hours. We have to stay the course, friend. And wait, and when the opportunity arises, and the opportunity will come when God has shaken the foundations of those that are not interested, then you and I can capitalize on the opportunity that has been given. These were men that were concerned, but they also were men of calculation. They seen the opportunity when it presented itself. You and I need to do this. Love people. Preach. Pray. Praise the Lord. Wait for the Lord to do something. And then when the opportunity arises, friend, be people that go and get busy for God. See, they wanted what they had to say to be effectual. But when God done the, got the effect that, 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 that he needed to get, then they were there with a the message. See, a lot of people don't want to hear the message. But God has a way of getting people receptive to the message. So we don't change the message. We keep on with the same old story, the same old book, and we need the Lord to make it afresh in their hearts and in our lives. But here's the thing, when God gets them ready, we need to be there waiting with the message. We don't want to stop short. We don't want to quit. We don't want to find another church. We don't want to go somewhere else down the road. We don't want to say, well, God's not using me there, so I better go somewhere else. No, friend, we stay in our work and our labor and in our field that God's placed us in. And we wait for God to get people to the place or he can use them. Listen to me this morning. How many of you would be honest with yourself this morning and say that I was in a place in my life where I rejected the word of God? When the word of God went out, but I would not be attentive to it. See, I get discouraged sometimes because people won't hear. But I remember a time when the word of God went out in my own hearing and I rejected it and I let it go through one ear and out the other. And some time passed in my life before I got serious with God and God got a hold of me. But when God shook the foundations of my life and where I lived that 
that friend. He got my attention. And God has a way of getting people's attention that you and I cannot do. But when he gets them there, they're not going to listen to what we have to say. They're going to listen to what God has to say through us. You know why a lot of people reject what we say? Because they hear what we're saying. But when they hear what God's saying and realize who's authoring what is being said, friend, we are living written epistles known and read of men. And we need to be an open book before them. So here's what I want to say. God done a work. God got the man shook. God got the man. But listen to this. When the man's eyes were open. See, a lot of people just sleeping through this thing. But there's some people, friend, that when their eyes get open to things, the first thing they want to do is kill herself. Listen to me. Devil's got a way of taking people and working them up into such a frenzy that when their eyes are open to the situation, they don't know what to do with it. This man was awoke. He was awakened. He was hearing. He knew God was doing something. Something happened. But here's what I want you to see. It still took, them, it still took Paul and Silas being there to take what God had done and drive the point home. We need to be available and be ready when the Lord shakes the foundations of people. And so Paul and Silas here says, uh, uh, would have killed himself supposing that the prisoner had been fled. Verse 28, but Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Why was he there? Why was he there instead of being gone? Does the grass ever look greener somewhere else? Oh, listen to me. Does the grass look greener somewhere else? Now, I mean this, and this is my heart. So I want you to take what I'm fixing to say, and I want you to, to, to listen to me well. I wouldn't trade what I've got right here and what the Lord has given me for the mega church somewhere down the road that's got 500 in it that are living like hell, and the, and the church looks worldly, and, and, and everything's all to pieces. Because here's the thing. I've invested some time here, and the Lord's working here. And I wouldn't want to erase everything that God has tried to do here to go find somewhere else that's got greener pastures only to find out that the, in, a, in a month or two that pasture's withered away too. Right. See, that's what I want you to... Preaching has a way, friend, of, of, of cutting the fat. Preaching has a way of peeling off the, the unnecessary and the extracurricular that don't need to be there. And see, sometimes, Brother Shane mentioned it too, sometimes we got to get all the things shook loose and get the thing cleaned up and the, and the tabernacle cleaned out, you know, God's house cleaned up before God can do what he wants to do. Sometimes it just feels like it's getting worse and things are dwindling away. And when we get down to the, to the, to the foundations, when we get things cleaned up, we can see things build back and go in the right direction. Don't get discouraged now. Don't, don't stop because you feel like your ministry is bound up and you're in the midnight hour and you're in a dark jail cell, something beaten to death. Just wait because God may just be fixing to shake the foundations. And I am a firm believer, friend, if we pray, if we would get, if we get as serious about praising God in every avenue and aspect of our life like Paul and Silas did, that we could be available when he shakes the foundations of people to give them the message they need. Listen to me. God shook the foundation. But their reaction to what God had done, Paul and Silas' reaction to what God had done when he shook the foundation, made or broke what happened to this man and his family. You need to let that sink in. God shook the foundation and got the man ready and receptive. But if Paul and Silas had left too early, this man would have killed himself on his sword and his family would never have been saved. Our reaction, and I want that to sink in. I want you to get that this morning. Our reaction 
When the Lord shakes, listen, when a person's foundation is shaken, they're in a vulnerable position. Vulnerable position. And they make decisions out of haste. This man nearly killed himself. When people have their foundations shaken and the Lord's trying to get a hold of people, he'll take them to a place sometimes so low that they're at the point of nearly killing themselves. How many people do you know have almost killed themselves? Almost life had gotten to the place where they almost were about to kill themselves before God got them straightened out. And it took somebody being there in the right time, in the right place, willing to step in with the right message. Listen, and how they lived their life was everything. See, sometimes the way we live our life gets us thrown in prison. But sometimes the way we live our life is what helps people when their foundations are shaken. The difference is, has God shook their foundation yet? You and I have to stay faithful. We have to stay in our place of work, in our place, in our mission field where God has placed us. But notice this man's life could not, he could not be receptive to the message until God shook his foundation. But when God shook his foundation, everything about this man was his, his life, if you will, was in the hands of the decisions that Paul and Silas made. Could it be that, now listen to me, could it be that God's not shaking the foundations of some of the people that we're praying about because we're not in a position that when he gets them there to be what they need. We do not need to have ourselves in a, in a place that's preventing God from taking them and getting them to this place. We've got people in this church we're praying for that the Lord would shake their foundation. We've been praying for them for months. Homes are in shambles. Fathers are not leading homes. Children are making unwise decisions. People are, are, would rather be somewhere else than God's house. And we're praying that God shake their foundation. You know why we're praying that way? We're praying that way because you and I know that we don't have what it takes to fix their problem. And we're saying, okay, God, shake their foundation. But we forget the next step. Are we in the place we need to be that when he shakes their foundation, that we can keep them from dying and going further in the wrong direction? See, there's a tipping point right there when God shakes the foundation. And how, how well the church's balance determines whether or not they're going to fall to the left or fall over into the right way. They're in a tedious spot and they're needing the church. They're needing God's people to do something. God's using his people to do something. We've got to be in a position that when he shakes their foundation and gets them to the place where he can do something and make the word of God effectual in their life, that we ain't running off and leaving them alone, but we're standing there willing and ready to help them, friend. And this man understood at this moment in time that his life was shaken, but because of what Paul and Silas had done, and because they stayed when they didn't have to. See, they, we don't have to stay. We, we are free moral agents to do as we please. I can walk out of here today and never come back. There ain't anything any of you can do to stop me. But understand something. Something constrained Paul and Silas. Their love for people and their love for the Lord. Convictions. Listen, when you're facing consequences, the love for people isn't enough. Because we all sometimes find that we love ourselves a little more than we love others sometimes. Sometimes we find that we are our favorite person. But when you love the Lord and consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners. When you love Him enough, now listen to me. If you're not, if you are not in a place this morning 
where you can praise the Lord and pray to the Lord in the place where you're at right now in your life. You are not in a place to be able to help someone that has their foundation shaken. When you can become the kind of Christian that can say, Lord, no matter what you ask me to do, no matter the consequences, I have enough conviction and enough love for you that I will love you, I will praise you, I will serve you, I will witness, I will do whatever you want me to do in spite of the consequences. At that place, in that moment in your life, you are in a place that God can use you when the foundations of those in whom we're praying for are shaken. So I, let me say this, keep praying. Keep begging God to shake the foundations of those, friend, who are astray. But then you better pray and ask God, am I in a place in my life where I can praise you and worship you and love you and serve you regardless of my consequences? If you can't serve God and love God and praise God and pray, no matter what your consequences are for serving Him, whatever they may be, you need to get on this altar this morning and ask God to help you be the type of Christian and be in the place that you can help someone when their foundations are shaken. There's a lot of people right now that are being weighed in the balance that can go to the left or go to the right and because God doesn't have people in place that will stay the course. People are falling off and they're breaking. And they're going in the wrong direction. So my message to you is this, where do you stand and are you in a position personally to help someone that's have the, had their foundations shaken? Let's all stand to our feet this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. The pianist comes and finds a subversive invitation. I do want you to know this morning, these were men of caution. They were men of conviction. They were men of courage, but they were men of consequences. But then they were men of concern. They were concerned about this man's situation. And because of their concern, and because of the foundations being shaken, and because of their willingness to give this man what no one else would, it resulted in this man being saved by the marvelous grace of God and opened the opportunity for the family to be saved. I don't want to be the missing link in this. You will find today, friend, that God never fails. The great I am still is, and he is able. And if there's failure today, it'll always be on the part of man. And so do you, are you failing in this area this morning while she plays softly? Is there something in your life that you need to get fixed with God to help you be the kind of Christian that can be there for someone whose foundation is shaken. I don't want to be praying for God to shake the foundations of some people in this church if we're not ready to help them, friend, when their foundation is shaken. We got to be ready. We have to be in a place that God can use us. Singing didn't wake him up, friend. The sound of prayer didn't wake him up. But the power of prayer did. We need to be a praying people. We need to be concerned about people's condition. But then we need to be concerned about our condition. We need to be a type of people that can sing in the midnight hour, that can pray in the midnight hour, that can praise in the midnight hour. If you can't do that, friend, you're not in a position to be available to that one that's going to have their foundation shaken.